Welcome to the Minter Dialogue Radio Show, number 24. I attended the NetExpo Forum 2012 this week, held at the glorious UNESCO headquarters in Paris. NetExpo, founded by my good friend Thierry Arp and Martine Bidguin, is an observatory of new tech trends around the world, with which I've been associated for the last couple of years. There were ten award winners highlighted at the event, each coming from the four corners of the world, and each with a very interesting angle. In the second of this series, I spent a few moments with Tracy Weber, Pulitzer Prize winner and a senior reporter at ProPublica. If you've ever been curious about the relationship between pharmaceutical companies and your doctor, then ProPublica is the place for you. Let's cut to the interview. Hi, so I'm uh, at the NetExplo Forum. It's the 15th of March, 2012. It's the end of a long and wonderful day <clears throat> where we've announced uh, the top 10 winners for the NetExplo Forum. And I am with, with one of the winners, Tracy Weber, who's a senior reporter at an amazing venture called ProPublica. If you haven't heard about it, you might want to listen up. So, Tracy, can you explain to us what is ProPublica? So ProPublica is a nonprofit investigative newsroom. It's sort of this new kind of thing that brought together investigative reporters to do deep dive investigations of things in the public interest, and we give it away for free. We partner with everyone from the New York Times to National Public Radio to documentaries, Frontline, and they can either partner with us, with the journalists, or we just give them our investigations and... Because we're nonprofit, we're sort of very independent, and we can do the sorts of things that a lot of media outlets can't do because they don't have the resources anymore. And would you say that ProPublica is born of the Internet era in the fact that you know, all the, the old business models of, of journalism is, is sort of taking a hit and can't afford to have multiple bureaus everywhere and investigate journalists spending too much time on stuff? Would you say that that's a fair origin of, the, of the, you know, how ProPublica was born? I think so. I think people are seeing that you are seeing that you know the the old way that things were done is not really working out, and that people want to see their news immediately. They want to be able to read as much as they want. They want to be clicking on big databases and being very interactive with their journalism. And I think, like we ran an investigation of a hedge fund that appeared solely on our website. And it won a Pulitzer Prize, which was a big, amazing step forward for online journalism. It certainly is. I mean, ProPublica is really bringing back investigative journalism. And the way you're doing it, you're nonprofit. You, you're, you were telling me you line up with other larger, well-known newspapers, Wall Street Journal or New York Times. And then you provide as a couple, it's really interesting, you can dig down. And Are you going after the areas where there's the least amount of transparency? How, what are the areas you're going after? So I think most of my colleagues and I, we want to do the, the stories that no one's looking at, like the big you know, institutions that affect the lives of a large group of people that no one actually takes a look at. And things that take a long time, like Charlie and I, my work colleague, Charlie Ornstein, we took a look at how nurses were overseen and how... This, these institutions that were basically checking to see that the nurses in the hospital on the front lines were doing their job were not, were not really doing their job. And nurses were going from hospital to hospital, making mistakes, even killing patients, and no one was stopping them. And so it's something that a lot of publications can't do anymore because they can't devote the resources and they can't build. We built a big database of nurse discipline that exists nowhere else but on our website. And that's what 
I think most media outlets can't afford to do anymore. There's this walled garden around the pharmaceutical industry. We all know it's important. We need medication. But there's some has what has been this protection around the, the, the information, lack of transparency. And then, uh, you know, is the doctor there to serve clients or is the doctor there to have a career and, and get a second house? And so you guys are focused on on, uh, on healthcare well you are particularly Tracy and um, and you have come here to Paris to get an award for dollars for docs can you tell us a little bit more about what is dollars for docs so Charlie and I my uh, a web de- developer at our at ProPublica we were all taking a look at these big pharmaceutical companies and they you know it's a billion gazillion dollar business for these drug companies one drug alone can make them a billion dollars a year so they have enormous you know, um, drive to make sure their products succeed. And some, some of these drug companies have gotten in trouble where they've um, paid kickbacks to doctors or pushed doctors to prescribe drugs for uses that they weren't intended for. And there has been whistleblower lawsuits, and uh, whereas a former employee said, look, I know about this, I'm going to sue you. And the federal government in the United States joins in. And a lot of these drug companies have settled these lawsuits for hundreds of millions, even billions of dollars. But as a result of that settlement, they were required to say whether they paid doctors to speak and consult and how much and list those doctors in a public way. But when they started doing that, we noticed that they did it in a way that was almost impossible for patients or reporters or anyone to really look through and find doctors how much they were being paid. So we decided to take a look, and so we, Dan Nguyen, our our developer, scraped those websites and figured out a way to do this, and we put them in one big database so you could see how much a doctor was being paid, by which company, was he speaking on behalf of them, was he consulting, did he get money from four companies and how much company? And then we link to the drugs those company made makes so that, for instance, if you went into your doctor and he prescribed a really expensive drug for one of, you know, an ailment you had and it was, you know, a brand name drug, you could look on an app in the doctor's office if your doctor was making money from that company and ask some serious questions. Is this the safest drug for me? Does this drug have more side effects than another drug? Or should I be taking the generics? It's so much cheaper. Or should I even be taking a drug? Should I be changing diet and exercise? So it was a tool for patients. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I can imagine uh, the shock if you're sitting there in the waiting room and you're about to go and you see that this doctor, you know, is known for prescribing uh, medication A, and then, of course, the first thing they say is medication A is great for her. It must be very hard. And then how does a, a patient react? Do you guys provide counseling as to how they should uh, work with this, or is that sort of left to them to figure out? We did say on our website, because... Some doctors might be doing this, really believe in the drug, and maybe, like you said earlier, some of the doctors I spoke with who are making over $100,000 a year from speaking said that, you know, they should be paid for their time. They really believed in the product. They were providing a service, and they are also using this money to put their kids through college or to support their elderly parents. So the problem is it's in some doctors' lives, it's become a very much a part of their income, but... Um, we felt patients have such a difficult time in the United States and in France, all around the world, finding out if their doctor's good, mm-hmm. you know, relying on word of mouth, relying on. And so what we wanted to say is, here's a piece of information. You can use it as you want, but it allows you to ask your doctor some serious questions. 
And, you know, some people have an ethical problem with their doctor doing promotional marketing for a drug company. Mm. Some patients don't have that problem. But in an era where, you know, you're so nervous about that and there's a lot at stake, it's good to know that. It, it just brings up in my mind, Tracy, um, you go to one doctor and they give you one prescription or one diagnosis, and you go to another one and they give you a second opinion, and you go to a third one and you get a third opinion. And the thing that's happened to me in my life is that those three are different opinions. And I get, just listening to you, I'm thinking, mm, each of them has a different uh, backer, and that's sort of what is happening. I don't know if that's the case. But, you know, of course, there's, there is legitimacy in all that. Fortunately. Um, now, um, you were given this award and you've come to Paris. Bienvenue. Um, can you tell us your opinion? I mean, you presumably go to lots of different conferences uh, in the States, presumably the most. Can you tell us how you felt differently about this award and this conference as opposed to what you've seen in the States or North America in general? Well, you know, it's kind of exciting. It's exciting to see people finding different ways to use technology to enhance people's lives in a bunch of different ways. And what I thought was great about here is the, the spectrum, is the wide range of things that we saw here from the really fantastic translator that would, you know, you'd just hold, hover your phone. Word over, lens. Word mm-hmm. lens. And you'd hover your phone over something in Spanish, it would tell you what it said in English. That can be used in not just for a tourist, but you can imagine all sorts of ways that could be helpful and making sure someone didn't take the wrong drug while they were on vacation to, you know, there's a lot of applications. And so some of these things were, that were so fantastic were presented for one application, but you could spin your mind out to, you know, the, the gentleman from, who was using the, um, it, was, it would show you how to do plumbing. You would right. put on a, mm-hmm. a mask and there'd be a... The Japanese guy. The Japanese, yeah. He would, you could put on a mask and there'd be a little camera and might show you how to fix your plumbing. Mm-hmm. Well, in very isolated areas, let's, and how he showed how you may be able to help someone in an emergency, you could spin out how this could help people around the world doing everything from, you know, mechanical repairs to, you know, medicine. And I thought that was extremely exciting. Right, so uh, what I'm interpreting from that is that when you go to the U.S. conferences, typically they're a little bit more sort of vertical or more uh, on a specific focus. Yeah, focus. And very here, it's, you know, you've got a wider range. Yeah. That's very cool. So for you guys, you're, you're, um, you are a nonprofit organization. Uh, what does it mean for you to win this kind of a prize? Well, you know, when I went to ProPublica as a longtime reporter at a traditional newspaper, I had no idea if it, it was a leap of faith. And... Since then, you know, now media organizations come to us, reporters come from all over the world to see how we do it and how they could do it. And, and it's, a, it's a validation that it's, you know, that what we're doing actually can be meaningful to people all around the world and can have, and, you know, it can have an interest and can have an impact. And, you know, being in the company of all these innovations is really exciting. The problem of transparency is, is rampant, and, and I, I'm, I'm going to say that the, behind that, of course, is the issue of free speech somehow. Clearly, there's a need for that, I would say, in a major way in, in Europe, in old-fashioned Europe, which is a lot of opacity. Do you, would, do you see an opportunity for ProPublica to come over, or, or is it more about doing partnerships? How do you see the future uh, of rolling out ProPublica's concept? So we have some reporters that cover things around the world, but usually from a U.S. vantage base. But we are really involved in training journalists in other countries about how to do what we do. We've trained journalists all over the country in the United States 
how to do every story that we've done. And when you work at a traditional newspaper, you never do. You guard your stuff. You're an investigative reporter. You don't want anyone to know your scoop. The difference with ProPublica is that after each story, we tell everyone how we did it. Mm -hmm. Here's how you do it. We, 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 we're on the phone with the reporter saying, here's how you look up if a doctor's bad or has, mm-hmm. you know, has discipline against the record. Mm-hmm. Here's how you find out the conflict of interest policy for this university. Here's how you use this data. Every time we've done a story, we did that. Dan taught people how to use his scraping tool so mm-hmm. they could go. You know, high-level researchers mm-hmm. were coming to him. Mm-hmm. So we, I don't necessarily see ProPublica opening up an office in Paris, although I would be in line to do that. But I do, I do see if, if there was an interest, mm-hmm. I do see that we would have a partnership in helping to train people how to do it. Well, one of the, you know, my observation, and not that it's my area especially, but in journalism, of course, going through radical shift, is that journalists need to learn how to scrape, or at the very least, need to understand coding, mm-hmm. uh, so that when they go and do their investigation using this wonderful thing called the internet, they can then investigate how things are being coded, how things are being hidden, and, and this idea of journalists as coder, you guys are at the cutting edge of that. So uh, my colleague Dan Wynn started out as a reporter and migrated over here, and he's brilliant. And he had a tutorial for us last week of us more veteran, maybe, and on coding and how to, like, you know, see where everything on the website you're looking at comes from, how to change things so that maybe you want to show more results or you want to look behind what's what's on the screen. And it's incredibly valuable. And, you know, data is data, and it really does require reporting out. Mm. It's a lot of times data is simply a red flag to a problem. Um, but if you can have that starting point, you're well ahead. And being able to scrape all that off mm. and sort it and search it and, you know, when Dan was scraping the websites of these universities, all of them had, you know, like no security mm. and he could have gotten into anything. And you, you sort of see this open possibility of, you know, both good and bad, but for journalists to, to take things that people have tried to hide for years and put them out in the open for everyone to sort through and look at. Open data. Open well, data. listen, wonderful, Tracy. Thanks very much. I'm really looking forward to uh, following you guys. I, I hope you had a good trip to Paris. Lovely to meet you. Well done on your prize. And uh, go ProPublica. Thank you so much. We've had a great time, and we are very honored. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue radio show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com, T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T, where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter. If you like the show, please don't forget to click the handy Facebook like button or tweet it out. And if you speak French, you can find my other French language interviews on minterdial.fr. In the meantime, please come join the conversation at The Mindset or catch me on Twitter at M-D-I-A-L. Happy trails. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. 
Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.